It is a Football Friday, Week 9 edition, a tune-in edition, perhaps. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Zach Gershman joins me, Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray. Probably Toon, and we'll explain why we think that may be the case Sunday in Cleveland. Speaking of Cleveland, we'll head into enemy territory and speak with Kelsey Russo. She covers the Browns for ClevelandBrowns.com. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 694, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Not sure if you're aware of this, and to be honest, I didn't realize it until earlier on Friday, but we are 100 days away from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. Yes, I saw Adam Schefter tweeted that out this That's morning. what I saw as well. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Good morning, Arizona. You're 100 days away from, from Las Vegas. I mean, it's crazy. This past year, Arizona hosted the Super Bowl. I was here for that just as a member of the media with Penn State. And to to have that experience and then the hometown team with the Eagles and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Kelsey boys just doing everything. It was an incredible – a lot of storylines came into play for that one. I mean, we're 100 days away from even more storylines coming to play. 100 days sounds like a long time, yet at the same time it seems like, wow, it's literally right around the corner, meaning this season we're in week nine. This yeah. season in a typical normal 16-game regular season schedule halfway through. I mean, thinking about it, we talked about week one, though, the law firm of Payne, Sweat, Young, and now that law firm has been demolished. That's true. And I just think, though, like that feels like yesterday, and this season is truly flying by. And for a team that's 1-7, and seven, it would feel like the season's been very stagnant in a lot of different cases. But there have been so many storylines that have kind of swarmed this team, both positively and negatively. But I think in general, it's been quite incredible to see, at least for my first season, to see how an NFL season truly flies by. Speaking of storylines for Cardinals at Cleveland, 11 a.m. on Sunday, 6.30 a.m. Pre-game coverage begins a little bit later on here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We will head into enemy territory and speak with Kelsey Russo, staff writer for ClevelandBrowns.com. But the main storyline, and really the main storyline for both teams, is who's going to be QB1. We'll talk about the Browns a little bit later on. But as far as the Arizona Cardinals are concerned, As we record here and speak on this Friday, nothing has been announced officially. We will know, though, by 1 p.m. Arizona time on Saturday whether it will be Kyler Murray because he has to be activated Mm -hmm. by Saturday in order to play on Sunday. That is the only thing that is keeping K1 right now off the field. So as we speak, and based off what we have seen so far during the open portion of practice, From my perspective, Zach, nothing has changed over this week compared to each of the previous two weeks when Kyler Murray was on the practice field. He is throwing to practice squad receivers and tight ends. My indication, just a gut feeling, we will see Clayton Toon get the start. I don't even think we see Kyler activated. 
to be honest. I still think it's going to be Jeff Driscoll activated from the or elevated from the practice squad as quarterback number two. I mean, I think in a lot of cases, the only thing that has changed is that Joshua Dobbs is not in the building anymore. True. That's the biggest difference so far. Besides that, everything's gone as it has been the previous you know two, three weeks because Kyler Murray has been doing the same sort of routine as we've seen, at least in the open portions of practice. And yes, the coaches have come out and say that he's played against the ones, he's played with the ones. Everyone said that it's Kyler Murray still Kyler Murray, and that's great and all to hear, but there's a lot that goes into it. And I think in a lot of cases, people think he's healthy, throw him right back out there. But when you have Miles Garrett busting through the offensive line and trying to get into the backfield, and it's between him and Kyler Murray back there, you got to be 100% confident that your quarterback's going to be able to take a hit like that, be able to get back up and go for it again and make another play happen. So Clayton Toon, at least you know health-wise, is physically 100% there. Kyler, you obviously hope that he plays. He's your franchise quarterback. And the closer you, the earlier you get him on the field, the more games you have with him. I just don't think it's going to be this week. The likely scenario is Toon gets to start. You mentioned it. Jeff Driscoll gets elevated from the practice squad to be QB2. And then we're talking about this one week from now about Kyler Murray. That window will have expired on November 8th. At that point, you have to make a decision. He'll get activated to the 53-man roster. And then it becomes, okay, is it going to be Kyler at that point against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, a couple of different things this week, at least from my perspective, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, because I know you will. You're right. Drew Petzing, when he addressed reporters on Tuesday, probably had the biggest explanation for why this idea that, okay, Kyler Murray is healthy, just play him. It's not that simple. Yes, he's 100% healthy, but there's a difference between 100% healthy and in shape versus football shape. And as Petzing mentioned, based on the number of practice Murray has had, that would equate him to playing a regular season game on July 28th, meaning the start of training camp. And that is assuming Petzing meant the offseason OTAs Mm -hmm. and minicamp. And that's basically what I've been saying now for a while. This is Kyler Murray's training camp. He's three weeks in. Because if you are of the opinion, and I know there are a lot of fans out there who share this opinion, if you are the opinion that Kyler Murray, once he starts practicing, should just start playing, then what is the point of training camp? True. We have this six-week period that we talk about and hype up and put so much importance on, then why don't we have that importance and that same mindset when we're talking about a quarterback? It's different if it's a different if it's another position. But not just a quarterback, but your franchise quarterback, who you need to know whether you're going to ride with him beyond this season or not. That why, yes, you need as many games as possible, but you want Kyler Murray not only to be healthy, but confident and comfortable within this offense. But I think in a lot of cases, a lot of fans do have their eye towards next year already. And I, I understandably so to an extent. Obviously, last year at the NFL draft, there was an eye towards the following season, and everybody was very excited for that. But I think a lot of fans expect Kyler Murray to just jump into it and hope Kyler Murray's going to jump right into it because, as you said, the future with Kyler could potentially be in the balance, and they want to see what they have out of him. So if you could get seven games as opposed to six games, as opposed to five games or whatever it might be, I think fans want to see him out there to see what what they're able to do with him. With that being said, though, it would equate to July 28th kind of start date, and I'm not sure if that means we're going to see him in for one possession against the Cleveland Browns, but it's true because 
he has and, and the the thing I think um, has stood out to me the most is the chemistry between center and quarterback is a big one. And obviously, Yelda Froholt has already had to snap to a lot of different quarterbacks during his short time here. He thought it was going to be Colt McCoy during training camp. Colt McCoy was released, was was cut. Josh Dobbs, traded. Now you either have Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray, and he has not had as much work with them. Obviously, centers are still going to work with all strings in the all strings uh, on the field. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But I think that training camp fans need to recognize that you want to slow play this a little bit because I understand that Zach Ertz's uh, injury had nothing to do with the ACL, but it's the fact that we I feel like in a lot of cases pushed him in potentially some could say a little bit too early because we did not see the same Zach Ertz that we were hoping to see from previous seasons. Ertz had a full four weeks before he played in a game. Garrett Williams had three weeks before he played in a game. And again, that's a tight end. That's a cornerback. That's different than the quarterback position. Jonathan Gannon also said something earlier on Friday that there's this narrative out there that, okay, once Kyler Murray says he's ready to go, he's going to go. Not that simple. Mm -hmm. An organizational decision, but Gannon did say that Murray has told him he's ready. Now, maybe that's more in jest. Yes, I'm ready to go. Let me put me out there. Gannon out of this. Murray, quote, knows he needs to do certain things in order to play. There are check boxes that there are boxes that need to be checked. What those are, we have no idea. But it's clear, especially if Murray is not activated by Saturday, that not all of those boxes have been checked yet. Or maybe that they're or maybe they've seen them checked and they're waiting to see the the after effects of it essentially to see if he's how able you to respond how you respond day. to it the next day, how your body responds to it. Players are sore and especially I mean, Garrett Williams talked about how his body was really sore during those three weeks of practices before he went to Seattle and played, and then following Seattle, he was very sore and the body took a beating a little bit. In a lot of cases with the quarterback and also with an injured left guard, two injured left guards, you want to be 100% confident, as I said prior, you want to be 100% confident that Kyler Murray could be able, one of those boxes is, how are you going to respond once you get once you get um, sacked or once you get tackled by a quarterback or by, by any of the defensive players? That's going to be a box that they're going to need to check. There's going to be a lot of boxes that they need to check during the game, but during practices and during rehab and recovery, those are some of the most important boxes to check before you even get to that game. So again, the opinion here on Cardinals Cover 2 without knowing anything is that we're expecting Clayton Toon to get the start. And as far as what to expect with a rookie who has been here the entire time, which you cannot say about Jeff Driscoll, Mm -hmm. he missed a couple of weeks after he was released. Toon has been on the field this entire time since he was drafted back in April. And according to Gannon, he has gotten better. He's delivering the ball accurately. Forgotten how mobile Clayton Toon is now that he's probably getting a little bit more reps with the first team or just getting more reps, period, because they're trying to ramp him up at the same time getting Kyler Murray ready. So what to see, what to expect to see with Clayton Toon on the field this Sunday is going to be interesting because do you have – Imari DiMercato available. Do you have Michael Wilson available? Two of your main offensive weapons who did not practice this Mm -hmm. week, at least not on Wednesday and Thursday as we speak here Friday morning ahead of practice. So that changes things a little bit. But what to expect 
out of a fifth-round rookie getting his first career start? I think in a lot of cases, you should go into it with no expectations. He he had one throw in the Seattle game on that fake punt. I, I know he said that that – I read Darren Urban's article that he wrote on azcardinals.com about it, and he's always going to recognize that pass to Michael Wilson, that four-yard completion on the fake punt. I know he's going to always recognize that as his first professional play – but this is his first professional game if he were to play. So I think you got to go into it with no expectations necessarily. I, I will say if there's something that gives me hope, and, and I, I think I watched, it could just be a recency bias. I watched a lot of Will Levis recently and seeing him come into the situation for an injured Ryan Tannehill and how last week went off, had an incredible game, Thursday night football against the Steelers, threw an interception late, but had a really, I would say, pretty solid game for a second career start out there. I know both he and Will worked out together during the draft process, and I, I could sense a lot of similarities between the two. I do think that Clayton Toon, similar to how DJ Humphreys referred to him, he just has that look about him. And when he goes in there, I do believe he's going to sling it. But it's going to be a matter of, I keep mentioning him, because he's one of the best on the defensive side of the ball in the league. When you have Miles Garrett trying to get through that line and get to the backfield and try to formally and informally introduce himself to Clayton Toon, I think you're gonna that's how you're really gonna see when a quarterback responds when you have a threat like that coming toward the backfield. Miles Garrett, eight and a half sacks, seventeen quarterback hits, by the way, four strip sacks as well. Top for of the league. The Cleveland Browns defense. All right, let's touch on that Browns team that comes in with a record of four and three. And yeah, Deshaun Watson, is he or is he not going to be QB1 for Cleveland? He was one of 18 different Browns players who showed up on Wednesday's injury report. And that's where we began our conversation with Kelsey Russo, staff writer for ClevelandBrowns.com. Of those 18 Browns players, 12 were starters. So, the first question to Kelsey was a pretty simple one. Just how banged up are the Browns? Yeah, I was also very shocked when I saw the injury report yesterday. Um, I kind of had a little bit of an idea that um, they were, because yesterday they went into practice, they were going to play, um, do some seven-on-seven seven, um, and do some teamwork, um, but they were inside, and so it was a little bit of a different practice than normal. Um, so that, that kind of checked out to me that guys are working through some things um, the I wouldn't be too concerned heading into Sunday. There are some lingering injuries. Like yesterday, Kevin Spansky talked about uh, Zadarius Smith is working through a neck injury and obviously um, Deshaun's injury, shoulder injury that they're still working through. But I think some of these injuries are kind of just slow, like nagging, nagging things from the game that they were trying to get some guys some rest heading into into Sunday. You bring up Deshaun Watson still dealing with that shoulder issue. He has now been inactive in three of the last four games. My guess is if he doesn't go, perhaps we see P.J. Walker again. There's also Dorian Thompson-Robinson that the Browns have used. So right now as we speak, who do you believe will be quarterbacking against the Cardinals on Sunday? Yeah, it's a great question. The question of the day, um, I think if, if Deshaun is able to go – they would they would play him, but you know um, that's obviously they're going to see just how he responds to this week of practice. Um, you know he he was a limited participant yesterday. We were just outside at, at practice for the open period, and he was going through some drills and throwing in the there. But um, there wasn't a decision yesterday like there was last week about who was going to start, and so I think they're going to see how he responds to this week. But PJ will be will start if Deshaun is not able to play, and Kevin. 
Stefanski made that known yesterday that uh, PJ is still the backup. So it'll be between, I would think, those two. Um, and I think if, you know, if Deshaun is in a good spot and able to play, that he would want to. Neither has really had a great season to date, whether we're talking about Watson or Walker. But if it is PJ Walker, as far as what the Cardinals can expect out of a passing and a running game with PJ Walker as QB1. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, for PJ, he's been able, especially the past couple of weeks, they've really been able to get the run game going. And I think we've seen a lot of how they're using by committee. They're using Kareem Hunt, they're using Jerome Ford, Pierre Strong Jr. Like between the three of them, they've really been able to advance the ball down the field in the run game. And I think that's been a really important factor in their success offensively. Um, but PJ has shown, especially in certain moments throughout games, um, how he can make those big plays and he can find his receivers, find the tight ends and make those, those passes. And I think of, you know, the, the touchdown last week, um, touchdown pass to David Ajoku um, and just being able to find him in that um, Seahawks defense in the opening and David was able to get into the end zone. So um, I would think, you know, they're going to continue this run game progression that they've shown and because it has really been working, and then where necessary, get their receivers involved, get the tight ends involved, and kind of show that balanced attack that they have over the last couple of weeks. 150 rushing yards or more in each of the past three games. Is that just the byproduct of having good running backs, a good offensive line, or the passing game right now is just not where this team wants it to be or needs it to be? Yeah, I think it's more so just the talent of their of their running backs and really just finding um, the balance of how to use all three because they did struggle the first couple weeks of the season to get the run game going, but they have really just with their offensive line, they've, they've really just excelled in the last couple weeks of just creating um, a successful run game. And I think it's just really played off um, getting Kareem Hunt more involved, you know, getting Jerome Ford involved Pierre Strong Jr., like he's really excelled at the last couple of games. I think we've seen like moments from him. So I think it's really just they've found um, a system and the, the system that works for them and the success of the three of them together as, you know, a committee. And a potential familiar face for Cardinal fans, Kenyon Drake signed to the practice mm -hmm. squad this week, and that might have to do more with the fact that Ford is dealing with an ankle injury, so we'll kind of wait and see what happens there. But that is that is priority number one for the Cardinals as far as stopping the Browns' running attack. All right, let's talk about the Cardinals quarterback into this and whether it's going to be Kyler Murray or Clayton Toon. What are the Browns saying on who they believe might be the quarterback this week? Yeah, it's been a really interesting topic because it's been asked a lot, both of of guys in the locker room and coordinators and, and head coach Kevin Stefanski, and really they're honestly going into it prepping for either, which obviously sounds <laughs> is how a lot of people would say they would go about prepping, but because it's an interesting um, scenario because, you know, they, there's obviously games and tape on Kyler from previous years, um, but he hasn't played this season. And so it's kind of an even playing field in a sense. So they're just really going in, honestly, with this mindset of trying to really focus on themselves as a defense and um, shoring up their run defense because they've had some issues in the past couple of games, just little slip-ups. Um, they continue to really, though, like 
they celebrate each other. They, they really um, believe that they are really strong defense, and they've shown that in weeks, but they believe there's also areas for them to grow. And so I think that focus is more so on them just because of the uncertainty, and you're trying to prepare for a lot of like either option in this sense. There is one play on film of Clayton Toon in the regular season mm-hmm. that was a fake punt earlier in the year. There's obviously preseason film out there. But the challenge the Browns face, if it is going to be Clayton Toon, on preparing for someone that you don't have a lot of information about, at least immediate information. Absolutely, yes. And I and I think they've they've noticed that and they've taken that into account. And, you know, you can look at preseason tape so much and they use that as kind of a jumping off point. But, you know, but you are kind of uh, going into it a little bit blindly in a sense because there isn't regular a ton of regular season um, film on him. Now, the I wouldn't say the bad news for the Cardinals, but this is a very, very good Cleveland Browns defense overall number one in the league. Total yards, passing yards, third down percentage, opponent completion percentage, and it's spearheaded by at least one guy that's captured the attention of everyone, not just Cardinals offensive players. But what can you tell us about Miles Garrett and how well he's playing this season? Oh, he's he's been playing incredibly. Um, I think of obviously his that blocked field goal the other week, um, and you know he and his sacks on a weekly basis. Um, he's just really reading the opposing offense really really well and finding those opportunities to uh, to make plays and that's kind of his mindset to to make plays on on a weekly basis um, to impact and lead the lead the defense um, get those tackles and and sacks on the quarterbacks etc so I mean he's playing lights out this season um, you know uh, Jim Short said I think last week that the his game against the Colts was probably one of his the best performances he's seen, and um, that was a really big testament to what Miles was able to do in that game, um, help the defense in that first half really excel, and you know it's kind of just it's trickled down throughout the entire defense as a whole. I think analytics as far as you look at pressure rate last week at least according to next-gen stats. Garrett was – he did have the sack, but he was held to just three pressures on 34 pass rushes. What were the Seahawks doing to make sure that Garrett didn't wreck what the Seahawks wanted to do? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think they're – just the way that their their front their offensive line was playing and kind of just really – I don't know, like really protecting – um, Gino and just kind of keeping the Browns from being able to break through and penetrate like Miles wasn't able to do that and when in other, in other games he's been able to do so and so I think that was kind of the really big element to it all is it was a really sound front um, that they were facing and um, it gave them a lot of challenges. One other note on that Browns defense, I uh, read an article on clevelandbrowns.com about as well as the Browns are playing, it's the struggles inside the 20-yard line, that red zone issues where the Browns are allowing opponents to score almost 67% of the time. Obviously, that's a focus going this week, but what has been the problem for Cleveland when the ball has been inside that red zone? Yeah, um, exactly something Jim Schwartz talked about today in the sense of, um, going back to the run defense and really just protecting 
and against the rush attack. And you know, obviously in a in a in the in the red zone, it's a shorter shorter field. You're close to the to the end zone, and so um, they just have to really protect and um, not miss tackles and really just be on top of their game in the red zone because it is just a shorter field, and their run defense has to be really solid in those moments to to protect from guys breaking through finding that missed tackle finding that open hole they have to be in their gaps and really just um, working together as a unit to um, eliminate the run yeah when you have a good defense you start trying to figure out where the holes are and that's basically the only hole that at least I can see from the outside looking in as far as what this (laughs) Cleveland Browns defense is in not able to do at least on a on a consistent basis. Cardinals have won five straight, six to seven over the Browns. Weather potentially could be a factor on Sunday. What are you hearing? What are you for, what are you forecasting here for those of us coming from Arizona? Oof. Well, um, it is currently really cold here in Ohio. It is forty six, but um, I think from what I've seen, it's going to be a little bit warmer, which will be nice um, and hopefully sunny. So. It'll still be a shock for a lot of people from Arizona, but I think it'll make for a really nice day of football here in Cleveland because it won't be absolutely freezing. So as long as there is no snow, I think we're going to be in good shape. (laughs) 11 a.m. Arizona time is the kickoff on Sunday. Kelsey, appreciate the information. I'd say good luck this weekend, but how about good luck after this weekend? Sounds good. You too. (laughs) So just looking, by the way, at what, to expect weather-wise on Sunday in Cleveland because there was snow on the ground earlier in the week. Rain was in the forecast earlier in the week for Sunday. But now, cloudy skies, temperatures between 45 and 54. Rain now not forecast until Monday. So for a Paul Calvisi, a Danny Sarek, a Chris Melvin in Midi Relations, all good news for those that have to stand and watch the game from the sideline. Listen, they're going to... Let's go. They're in need of jackets, though. Well, yes, it will be a little bit. It gets cooler. seventy-one degrees out here, and people are walking around in hoodie and sweatpants. I mean, then again, I've you were begun. I, I've begun doing that, but I'll enjoy you know ninety and sunny in Tempe. Like <laughs> I'll enjoy it. So that's what to expect on Sunday. And funny thing, again, that conversation with Kelsey was earlier in the week on Thursday, and here on Friday morning, as I touched on earlier on Cardinals Cover Two, presented by Hyundai proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Will he or won't he talking about Deshaun Watson? He will, according to head coach Kevin Stefanski. Watson, after being inactive last week and inactive three of the last four weeks because of a shoulder injury, will start for the Cardinals, or excuse me, will start for the Browns against the Cardinals on Sunday. I'm surprised a little bit because I know he spoke earlier in the week and said he kind of jumped the gun a little bit in his return and he wanted to slow play his recovery back into it. Uh, that was about two days ago, and uh, apparently he's jumping the gun yet again, potentially. Yeah, obviously, you hope for the health and safety of players all across the league. Um, I definitely think, though, that it's it's unique. I, I feel like the Cardinals have openly said they're, they have multiple plans for preparing against multiple quarterbacks, depending on what it might be. Kevin Stefanski eliminated two of those plans. He gave the Cardinals their option of what it's going to be, and it's going to be Deshaun Watson who's expected to start. That that's that's a coaching decision right there. I know Jonathan Gannon has no interest in revealing anything because he doesn't want to give that competitive advantage over. Uh, Cleveland felt so inclined to do so. So thank you, Cleveland. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of wondering, okay, why make that announcement? Now you 
under no obligation to make that. No, no, we're still we want to see 90 how ninety minutes before is when the Cardinals were yeah, gonna find out. Need to need to see how walkthrough goes, need to see how they wake up Sunday morning. But yeah, Deshaun Watson will get the start. PJ Walker, who actually the last time he faced the Cardinals back in twenty twenty one, beat the Cardinals when he was with the Carolina Panthers, but Walker will be your backup, and then you got DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who does have one start under his belt. Didn't go well earlier this season. So, yeah, a little bit of that planning if you were Nick Rollis. Okay, if that announcement's been made on Friday, well, we have all day Friday, all day Saturday now to just focus on Deshaun Watson. It's definitely going to be a, a, a huge, I guess, like, monkey off their back in a sense because now they don't have to worry. This is the first time all season that the Cardinals had to go into it with kind of a question mark surrounding an opposing player. Now that question mark has been erased and Nick Rollis is going to be able to draw up some schemes. The The Cardinals have had a lot of success. I understand that PJ's had, uh, had, had that last game where he won against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have had a lot of success against the Cleveland Browns currently on a five-game win streak over them, dating back to 2007. So they've done a really solid job against Cleveland. It's obviously seemed to work out in their favor. Now they know who they're going to be going against and what they need to do in order to get that sixth straight win. Watson has, <clears throat> excuse me, Watson has started four games this season. He's averaging just about 171 passing yards with four touchdowns. Turnovers have been the real issue for whomever has played quarterback for Cleveland and that offense overall. 17 giveaways. That's the most in the league. 11 of those 17 interceptions. It definitely has not been turnover-free football for them. And for a defense like this that likes to – they, they, they do a really solid job at pass deflections, I, I would say, our Cardinals defense does. So this is going to be their opportunity to get their hands on some footballs over there and try to make some try to make some noise. The defensive line, despite being dealt a bunch of injuries throughout the season, they've done a really solid job getting to the backfield. The cornerbacks, it, it has not been easy for them, but when you have a guys like Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson now back there, it definitely adds an extra blanket of security knowing that you have those two stars back there because they they definitely cover a lot of ground. I know Nick Rollis called Buda Baker eliminator number one and then Jalen Thompson eliminator number two just for the simple fact that they're able to cut up so much grass and make impacts on either side of the field no matter where they are. So the Browns will go with Deshaun Watson. The Cardinals, we anticipate, expect, forecast, it will be Clayton Toon, and that would be perhaps four rookies starting on offense. That is if Michael Wilson is okay to go. That is if Amari DiMercato is good to go. And then that fourth name is Paris Johnson manning the right tackle spot. And I know that's something that you wrote about earlier this week on azcardinals.com. Cardinals have 12 rookies on their 53-man roster. Only three teams have more than that. But it's what those rookies are doing when their name is called. Each one has had a contribution, whether that's a major impact or just a minor impact, but they've all had some kind of an impact on Sundays. There have been two that haven't, and it's because they just haven't been given the opportunities. John Gaines got injured during the preseason, was on his way to – Trying to, he had a battle there a little bit with Yelda Froholt in the beginning half of camp. Obviously, I think Yelda Froholt kind of separated himself from the pack for being that starting center. But John Gaines had a place on this team, according to Jonathan Gannon, when he announced that Jonathan Gaines, or that John Gaines was going to be out for the season. So John Gaines is done. But Clayton Toon has been the only other quarterback, the only other rookie on this roster that hasn't had an opportunity to trot out onto the field. 
Now he could potentially have that opportunity. But but from the top down, it's quite impressive. You look at some of these later round picks and you're like, okay, you're six round picks. I understand that Keytrail Clark has not been playing much, but he started a lot of games and played 100% of snaps in a lot of games. Dante Stills has been a menace down on the defensive line and taking advantage of a lot of different opportunities with that injured defensive line, kind of embracing that next man up in mentality. So it's been impressive. And even with the undrafted rookie, Starling Thomas was quaint, was claimed uh, from Detroit, but he's started a bunch of games and he's done a really solid job out there. And Amari DiMarcato has solidified himself as RB1 with James Conner sideline for at least the next two games, I believe it is. So overall, from the top down, they've, they've done a really solid job and you could tell that they've earned the respect of a lot of these veteran players as well. 27 starts by first-year players, 24 of those 27 starts by the draft class, the most recent draft class. And that's significant because all of last year, 2022's draft class, 22 starts total. With Trey McBride being 13 of them. So already you're seeing the impact. And again, we're halfway through 2023 and you already have 24 starts out of your draft class, 27 overall by first-year players. I got that stat from you, so I got to give you your flowers for that one. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that one. No, I mean, it's been so incredible and so impressive to see how these guys have gone into it. And I think Jeff Rogers hit on a point that was honestly pretty profound in my opinion. I asked him about Owen Papo and what he's seen from him. Owen Papo recovered Matt Prater's onside kick in the game against the Baltimore Ravens, the first and lone onside kick recovered so far this season. When I spoke to Owen Poe's game, I told him that. He's like, really? Like, genuinely was shocked. And, like, you can see the smile on his face because he's been waiting for that moment to make a big-time play on a big-time stage. Out of everybody in the draft class, he probably has been the only person that has played up until that game that hasn't really been able to make much noise. But he was able to against Baltimore, and he was so happy about it. But I think Jeff Rogers hit on a point that was so interesting when he said, these are guys you're going against, uh, you're going against that have their families on their line, their livelihood. Everything about them relies on that gridiron between those white lines and the 100 yards down the field. That That's where their money is made. That's why they're able to put food on the, fa- on the table for their families. And that's a mindset adjustment for a lot of players. A lot of players play in college and high school and, you know, Pop Warner for the simple fact that they love the game. But they might not be able to make it their jobs. These guys and these rookies are starting to learn really early on what it takes because you're not just going against somebody in a different helmet. They have a last name on the back of their jersey and they're trying to make an impact for themselves, for their legacy, for their families. And to see this rookie class adapt to that, Buda Baker said the way that they watch film, the way that they prepare, their next man up mentality is beyond impressive. So this is just the beginning. And I think with this being Monty Austin Ford's first draft, I'm I'm eager to see what draft number two and draft number three and so on look like because if it's anything like this one, the, the future is looking quite bright. On that subject, as far as your conversation with Jeff Rogers, he also added this about a lot of those rookies that come into the league. Quote, it's foreign for almost every player that comes into this league to play special teams. End quote. Because if you're drafted, regardless of whether that's the first round or the seventh round, Most are all-conference players, Mm -hmm. significant snaps, offense, or defense, but not used on special teams on the college level because they're too valuable to their specific part of the ball, offense or defense. And now here in the NFL, if you're not a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you're going to need, in order to play offense or defense, 
to stand out on special teams. And it's a brand new experience for a lot of those players. And Rogers mentioned that Owen Papel came up to his office one day and said, where am I? Where can I get better? Mm -hmm. What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? I want to make sure that I have a uniform on being active on Sunday. So in the event something happens on defense, I can run out there and play some defense as well. I think that so it's funny because when I was when I was talking with Owen, obviously it's very well documented my Penn State ties. But here's the thing that really, yeah, really, I know I saw that one coming. But there was one hit when Penn State played Auburn. He hit now Green Bay Packers back of quarterback Sean Clifford. Sean was scrambling out of the pocket. Owen Papo laid the boom on him, and it was a helicopter hit like I've never seen before. I remember watching with some of my friends and roommates, and we all looked at each other, jaw dropped. Like that was the most vicious hit I've ever seen. So when I saw his name on the draft board and you see him coming to the Arizona Cardinals, you go into expecting he's going to be a big-time linebacker for them. But he's going against some of the best in the NFL. And they're, even though the guys on their team in this locker room are teammates, they're still healthy competition, which is good. You want to be able to fight for yourselves and for your families, as previously alluded to. So for him to go in and to have the maturity to say, all right, I'm going to embrace this opportunity until I could graduate to the defensive side of the ball and make my name there and make an impact there, as you know he, he hopes to do. But there's a lot of guys that go into it. Ezekiel Turner. Played a lot of special teams in college. Owen Papo did play some at Auburn. He was on the kick return. So it makes sense to see him out there. It just it's it's so impressive to see this rookie class and even second year and third year players trying to make a name for themselves, doing whatever they can on any side of the ball. Can I add another rookie to this uh impact group? Please do. Zach Gershman. Stop. You know, it's funny because I was looking back in my first Cover 2 episode earlier this week because I, I like to reminisce. and I, <laughs> I, <laughs> We're halfway into the first uh, yeah, season. You know what? It just, it, it's, back it, in my day, you know, <laughs> in September. Back in July. <laughs> I mean, we were we were in a little like conference room looking thing in the in State Farm yeah. Stadium, and we were able to put that, that first podcast out there. And I remember in the copy we wrote there, like, you know, the Cardinals drafted a bunch of rookies, and now they have a 10th rookie in Zach Gershman. I'm like, huh? <laughs> and now, you know, now we're here, and the, the rookie's trying to, make his, trying to make his name just like the other guys. So far, so good. I'll take that. Thank you. And again, that article up on azcardinals.com, although you did not put yourself in that article, you just have the byline. I didn't, you didn't do add you yourself. Do you think that That'd I would really be able to do, just slide a line in there? Slide it in and see if it can't pass the editorial board, <laughs> i.e. Darren Urban? Listen, yeah, Paris not. Johnson Jr. and Zach Gershman have started eight <laughs> total games this year. Probably not. <laughs> Cardinals and the Browns, that is the matchup on Sunday here. Week 9, 11 a.m. is the kickoff. 6.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Will it be Clayton Toon? Is there a chance it is Kyler Murray? We do know that the Cleveland Browns will start Deshaun Watson. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Zach Gershman, I'm Craig Rialdu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.